You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with Dr. Dominic Butler. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that when we read the scriptures tonight, that we would not just be reading for intellect purposes, but we would be reading so that our hearts could be made more into your image, Lord, that they could be transformed, Lord. Father, I thank you that areas in our lives that we have continued to try to move forward without you, Lord. I thank you that tonight that you would just bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that people would just see the things in their life that need to be changed, and that you would give us the ability, your grace, to march forward as a representative of your Son. Lord, we thank you for freedom, freedom in this place, answers in this place, handcrafted answers for each person. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, Hebrews 9, I want to read something here. If you start, and actually verse verse 6, I'm going to read, or I apologize, verse 11, it says, but Christ came as high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. So just think about this. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle was something that was built, okay? And this was built. And if you go through the Old Testament and you read, there was exact measurements for like it wasn't just like oh let's just build a shed and let's all go work like we're talking about like this was specifically given to Moses God said this is how this needs to be built and it was specific down to measurements so you have to understand that what this is saying is that Jesus came as a perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation So when he came, what was he coming? He was coming as the perfect man, right? He was coming as the second Adam. He was coming to reveal what we are. Because do you know why Jesus was persecuted more than any other reason? It was because of his relationship with the father. They they put him on the cross because he said, I am. He said, I'm the son of God. They, they could, that, that was what just took them to off the edge. They, it wasn't the miracles. It wasn't the things. It was literally his, he would not back down from being a son of God. What are we now? We are, remember, because the Pharisees said, we're sons of Abraham. What did Jesus say? I am. And he was making it so clear that it's not, it's not a lineage through a man. It's the lineage from him. And he came. And that's the thing is that he is the firstborn of the new creation. He's the firstborn of creation. Now, not with the blood of goats and calves. So the reason we talked about the Lamb of God last week, if you were not here, is because Jesus was the Lamb of God. And that whenever there was sin, there had to be sacrifice. There had to be blood shed. And that's why sometimes 
we don't understand the price of sin as much because in the Old Testament, they saw the price of sin required blood. But that's why in our hearts, we have to understand that it's by faith that we receive, but it's not faith as this is convenient. This is, it has to become something so real. The Bible talks about in the Old Testament, there was, they had to get circumcised and it was flesh getting cut off. But in the New Testament, we hear of the circumcision of the heart is what God is about. And it's about the flesh being cut off in our lives. And what is flesh? Flesh is things that still love the world, still love the, you know, the things of these. And does God want us to enjoy things? Absolutely. But it should never be to a thing where it's an idol. And can we all agree that the world has a lot of idols? Like, is that, is that, I mean, you have to wake up to certain things. Like, I don't have to get up here and preach conspiracy or all that type of stuff, but just look when people go out to restaurants with people, it could be like, it could be a group of people at a booth and none of them are even talking to each other, but they're on their phones talking to people that aren't even with them, all of them, even family members. And what did God pay a price for? He prayed a price for fellowship so that nothing would come between you and him. And how quickly do we give in? And I'm, I even have to testify. My wife has to remind me sometimes being, you know, being the pastor of even this body during the pandemic, my phone's been blowing up constantly, constantly. And I realized one day this thing makes me too accessible. Only God should, I should only be this accessible to him. But all of a sudden, we, we don't realize how we just let so many things in because it's technology, it's convenient. We, we have these things, well, I got to do this, I got to do this. You're not going to be able to do anything if you're dead. And I'm being, because stress and all the things that come on, you know, I think I brought this up before, but did you know that people's immune systems break down the most when they're under stress? What does the media do? It's killing people. It's killing people. It's killing people. Doing this, doing. So all of a sudden, stress, 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 breaking people's immune systems down spiritually. And then they get on social media. More garbage, more fear, more fear. Immune system breaking down, breaking down. But we have a different report. Amen. We have a different report. I'm not here to bring doom and gloom. I'm here to encourage the body that you should be excited that on a Tuesday night right now that we're just trying to figure out how we can hear from heaven, hear what God is saying. And then when we keep going, he says, not with the blood of goats and calves. So what is the biggest difference between the old covenant and the new covenant? Do you want to know what it is? Well, in the old covenant, it was the blood of a goat. The new covenant is the blood of God. Amen. Does that change things? How many people feel, how many people would feel good, Ronnie, if you stand before God and the only thing that's going to cover all the sins from your life is a goat? You're not going to feel very confident about that, right? But if it's the blood of Jesus, the blood of Yeshua, it speaks a better word that the Bible says that Abel's blood cried out to God. How much more does Jesus's blood cry out? His blood sings. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. Amen. It says, but with his own blood. Can you imagine that when, when, when Jesus, after he died on the cross 
and he took back the keys from hell. This is not made up. I want people to know. This is the thing is, is that Christian, Christian, and it's it's understanding that this is not a fable. The Father, understanding who God is, everybody will stand before God one day. That you being here tonight is an act of mercy. It's an act of grace because it's God continually reminding you of His love, His it, for you. And can you imagine when Jesus? He, do you understand the bloodshed? We've went over this weeks ago, but. He was beaten with a cat of nine tails. Do you know on the ends of that was sharp pieces of glass and metal? And these, and he wasn't, he wasn't scourged. And the, 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 the Hebrew, one of the Hebrew words for scourging means to fillet and to be filleted open before he was crucified. You know how much bloodshed that is. And when Jesus went and stole the keys back, got the keys back, and then he goes into the courts of heaven because let's keep reading i'm getting too excited but with his own blood he entered the most holy place do you under the tabernacle had a holy place it was the most holies and only a priest could go in there once a year and offer a sacrifice and when he offered the sacrifice he had to go through all this cleansing before he went in and if he had anything wrong he would actually fall dead in the presence of god and what jesus did is when he finished his work he walked into the most holy place not a place made by man but he walked into the holy place in the courts of heaven before an almighty god and took his blood can you imagine the angels that's why the angels we find in psalm psalm 8 it says that the, the angels say who is this man that that god is mindful of him because here comes Jesus with the blood and he's about to pour it on the mercy seat on all of, all of our behalf. And when he does that, the, the, the celebration, do you understand that what that meant? That was, that was it, it's important that we understand the theological standpoints of this to really get it in our hearts to understand that this was not just Jesus gave out free heaven passes one day. That's what a lot of people think Christianity is. They think that it was just one day God's like, all right, all you need is faith. You can go to heaven. Not realizing if you know the price that's attached to it, if you know the price that's attached to your salvation, you will live worthy of it. Amen. Amen. We will live worthy the more we understand the price that was paid. It just it, it, it creates a conviction in us that's healthy and beautiful. That's why. I can't go back to my old life. Does, is there anybody in the room that there's been times you may have stumbled? Can, you know, let's just be real with each other. There's been times like that I that I've stumbled, and when I have, do you know the first thing that goes through my my mind, my heart is Jesus? You paid a price for this. Why, Lord? I give this to you. I'm so sorry that I that I failed in this area because you. And I said this a few weeks ago. I'm sorry, my I think it's. A, I said this a few weeks ago, but you can't surrender something you don't own. You cannot surrender something you do not own. So if you don't own your sin, you can't surrender it. That means that there's some people that really need to understand that there's things that God's speaking to them. I need that. I need that area of your life. And the reason he's saying that is because he sees where it's going to lead you. 
to you, it might seem like this is a temporary pleasure, a temporary necessity, but he sees it as a premature taking you out. So the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer and the sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Do you know? Did you know when it comes to the Lamb of God that that what they what they did when Passover is about to happen, which is right before the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, that what takes place is Passover is not actually a feast. Passover is a lamb. So it's the fact that Passover is a lamb. And what happens is on the 10th day of the first month that God ordained, which it's so powerful because if you read Exodus 12, when God ordains Passover, which is Israel coming out of bondage and when he ordains it he says that this will be the first of the the, this will be the first month of the the calendar year for you he says this do you know why that's important because it was the marksmanship of their deliverance how many people know when you get born again god says this is the new calendar for your life that it's symbolic nature of new creation that he said that passover is the beginning of the year because that's the beginning of you that's the beginning of freedom and what what takes place here is when he offers himself up that when Jesus was offered before by Judas, when he gets offered up and he was betrayed, it was the 10th day. OK, and what happens is in Passover that it's on the 10th day that the father of a home has to get a lamb. And you know what he has to do is for the next four days, they have to make sure there's not a spot or blemish on it. What happened to Jesus the next four days after? He gets questioned by the Sanhedrin. Then he gets questioned by Pilate. Herod, and what, are they, what did they say? I question him and I find no fault. So the four days that he's supposed to be getting tested, they couldn't find a fault with him, not even the, the government could find a fault with him so he was the perfect lamb led to the slaughter jesus said that i that no one takes my life i lay it down so when people say the jews killed jesus they didn't jesus laid his life down jesus was a jew we talked about this before. We need to understand Jew, Judaism way more than we we really think we do. There's and the, and in, I've talked with some brothers about this to really understand how important it is that there's been a huge disconnect. Did you know that we as believers should be crying out for Jewish people that don't know Messiah because they are faithfully practicing believing a Messiah has come, not realizing that it's already he's already come. And we, if we really understood that, we would say, Lord, Lord, use us and help us learn this word more so we can preach to them because that's how they're going to know. They're, not, they're going to know by us understanding the word, not just sprinkling some magic dust. That's why Paul had to be very educated with the word to be able to preach 
to Gentiles. And, and Peter had to preach to Jews. Do you understand? Sometimes we just, we don't realize what took place in the Bible. You have to dig. You have to be a good steward of the word. And I know we're all at different levels, so there's no condemnation, but start somewhere. Amen. Hallelujah. And I will get, if people are interested in digging deeper, I, we will get you resources, but your word and the Holy Spirit will get you off just fine. It will with a hungry heart. Amen. Is this helping anybody? How much more shall the blood of Christ? So we read that verse 15. And for this reason, he is the mediator. How many people are glad that Jesus is your mediator? Not Moses, not Moses. The Pharisees were confident that Moses and all these things, but we don't, I'm, I'll be, I'm so thankful for Moses and Abraham, and I would love to sit and talk with them for hours in heaven. I would love to talk with them, but you know what? He is my mediator. Not, not my parents, not my friends. He is my mediator, so my relationship with him is everything. Amen? I cannot express to you how important he is to me in a moment. There's people in this room that know that in a moment, that when things are going crazy, you stop for a moment and you just, and you just begin to thank him. I don't care if it's your worst day. He actually is thankful when you say that even on my worst day, I know that if I give you a moment, you could turn this into my best day because this worst day is temporary. It's so important, and that's why I want to share. I, I felt led to start with this, and we haven't even got to, but you know where I'm at. It's the, it's the fact that God is just waiting for a moment for you to not be distracted. He's waiting. For, I can't tell you how many times I just force myself on my knees. And it's not, it's not, I'm, I'm not trying to play this false humility. Like the reason I have to get down on my knees, like sometimes I go in my office and I just fall on my face. I'm not, and it's not even that I'm stressed out or anything. I just have to remind myself, it, I, I need him. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? Like when I hear somebody minister, I don't care how much they know. I just want to know if they know him. That's my heart. That's my heart. Because if somebody walks in here and they don't know him, or you hear me tonight and somebody you run into tomorrow doesn't know them. Don't be intimidated by how much scripture you don't know. Do you know him? That's all you need to be able to tell somebody else. Do you know when in the upper room, when they were praying and then the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2, when they all went out, did you know they all started speaking in other tongues? And it says that the people out there heard their own languages being spoken and things like that. Tell me, you tell me any church that's used a program like that to go, go out and minister. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not something you can just, you, you just teach people or whatever. That's something that's caught through relationship that it's cultivated through a relationship and seeing what people, the price that was paid. Because it said that there was more people than 120 in the upper room, but there ended up only being 120 because only a few waited. Do you know how many people just won't wait? Sometimes people are so concerned about timelines and things like that. And that's the thing is if you are focused on him, he will make sure you're always on time. Did you know he created it? Did you know he created it? Sometimes we think we did the way we make our schedules. 
And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. I want to just say this. Can I throw something out food for thought for everybody? When I, when Moses actually received, when he went up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, he re, Aaron stayed with the, the camp with the Israelites down at the, the bottom. And when Moses went up there with Joshua, did you know Joshua went with him up there? Does anybody realize why he probably was the one that succeeded Moses? Because he was in the presence just as much as Moses was, right? As a young boy. That's why he wasn't going to be, you know, bringing back no bad report. He knew the Lord. He's like, the Lord said it. What are you talking about? 12 spot. He's like, screw all these guys. It's like the Lord, you know, and it's like, and the one thing that when Moses brought the, that the Lord actually made tablets and, and wrote with his finger on these tablets, all the commandments and all the things. And Moses brought them back down. And that's when Aaron and them wouldn't, weren't waiting. They weren't, they got impatient and they built a calf out of people's earrings, gold earrings and things. And they all started worshiping the calf. And there's a whole bunch of things with that. But when Moses got down, before Moses got down, the Lord said, I see the people and they are, they're like, they're, they're worshiping an idol down there already. And then Moses intercedes on their behalf, but he hasn't even seen it yet. So the Lord's actually got him to intercede in his presence because if he would have interceded outside of the presence, he wouldn't have had the same. Do you see how important it is that the way we, we can't love people on our own strength. We need to love people in the presence of God. You can't forgive your enemies outside of the presence of God because Moses it was only in the presence he was able to properly intercede for the people because when he saw it himself, you know what he did? He chucked the commandments that the Lord gave him. Could you imagine the Lord handing you something and then you just get mad and chuck it? I bet Moses was like, he probably thought a lightning bolt was about to come out. He just, the Lord gave him something and he just chucked it, broke it. But here's the thing. Did we all break the covenant? Moses broke the covenant. Guess what Moses did? The Lord speaks to him and says, you make two tablets like you saw I gave you and go back up that mountain for 40 days. We're going to do it again, boy. Another 40 days. So he, God doesn't give him a shortcut. He doesn't say you only have to come up for a weekend this time. We got to do it all over. But this time you're going to bring me something. And here's the thing is when he goes back up, God writes everything out, but it wasn't a new covenant. It was a renewed covenant. I don't know if you're following me. I want you to see something. Moses broke the covenant. Literally, he goes back up with something and God writes on his tablets. Do you see the symbolism in the Old Testament that in the new covenant, it's actually not that we're in a new covenant. We're in a renewed covenant, but the difference is the blood. The blood is the difference. The blood is the difference. That's why it's important that you still understand the whole Bible. You understand these things, but it's the blood that is the difference. Now, I just want to, I just want to read these few scriptures and then I, I want to pray with every, or I want to just pray over every, and we'll, we'll maybe sing a song. Whatever, whatever the Lord leads, I'm just, I'm just flown in the moment. 
But are you guys being blessed tonight? That's the thing. We came here because we want to get instruction and we want to make sure that we're able to apply something. Go to John 15, 20. I'm just going to give you these few scriptures. If you're taking notes, just I'm going to fire a couple of these out, but I do want to read them because as everybody understand that scripture is very important. That John 15, 20, I brought this up a little bit last week, but I didn't read this. It says, I'm going to actually start at verse 18. This is right after Jesus said, abide in me. He's talking about the true vine. This is what he says right after this. He says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yes, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. By all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. So I want to stop there. What did Jesus say? He said that if they persecuted me, what are they going to do to you? So I just want to double check. Is persecution something we should all be prepared for? Right? I want people to know in this room, I've had people spit on my face before. It's been a real thing. I've, I've actually gone, I've asked somebody before, had it on my heart. Has anybody ever told you the Lord loves you before? I had somebody spit in my face. Okay. Now, what would, a, what would a normal reaction be to that? Exactly. Not, not turn the other cheek. It would be turn that, you know, you know, it's like, it, but you know what I did is I said, the Lord still loves you. Now, now you see the thing, the difference there is it would be so easy to retaliate, but do you know what's going to stick with that person longer? When they were beating Jesus, do you, you want to know the words that probably what's the righteously tormented them at night? Forgive them for they know not what they do. Like, they're like, what is this guy saying right now? Like, I could just imagine, like, that was like, and sometimes we don't realize when, when God said love never fails, that becomes a hallmark statement. And I want you to understand that love never fails. That when I have to make decisions, I have to, I have to look, am I making a business decision? Am I making, like, sometimes you have to really understand, like, love and love and the thing about love too that you have to really see is love even with business even with different things it's ultimately love's going to be family involved with those decisions but it's ultimately god i think everybody in the room knows that god usually goes sometimes goes against the facts and the trends just to see if you will go where he will go and that's where persecution comes is persecution comes because the world hates truth. That's what it is. The world hates truth. It fights it with everything. That's why persecution comes. Persecution, the reason persecution comes is because the world doesn't want to change. It wants to change you. Do you understand? So persecution is a it's a it's a utensil, it's a it's a tool that the enemy tries to use to get you, and I, let's go through a couple, just, I, I, I promise, we're, 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 Acts 9, 4 through 5, you just got to see this real, these few scriptures, I just want to, to land this so you can be prepared. I feel like it's, it's, it's my duty to let people know that I don't want 
people in this room that when a when a bad moment comes or a bad encounter comes that they start questioning if they're doing the right thing. But there's scriptural ways to make sure that you're sound in things. Because sometimes people say, oh, they're persecuting me. But are they persecuting you? Or are they persecuting Christ in you? Because sometimes if you just made a stupid, if you did something stupid and you said you did it in the name of the Lord, then you got to deal with that. Don't don't put that on God, your foolishness. <laughs> like some, Sometimes what do we say? You got to take ownership. And that's when grace flows. Amen. So Acts 9, 4 through 5 says this. It says, this is when Saul turns into Paul and it says this, then Paul fell to the ground. This is right after a light came from heaven. This is Jesus himself showing. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, and this is Jesus speaking to him, the head of the church saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting who? Me. Do you know what Saul where he was riding from, he was riding back from just having Stephen, who was preaching the gospel, he held the coats of those and gave the order for him to be killed. So when Jesus is saying this to Paul, do you want to know what Paul was probably peeing all over himself? You know what I'm, because this was a sobering moment that Paul realizes, oh my gosh, the man I just killed, I killed one of his do you want to, you don't mess with God's children. You don't mess with God's children. But talk about this, that God took a man that was killing Christians and then turned him into the greatest pioneer of the church. This encounter, but how did the encounter start? What was the first statement? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's how he introduced himself to him. So you have to understand, what did Paul face his entire ministry persecution person you want to talk you just read the book of acts and tell me if you want to be paul it's important that we understand the price that was paid and they never gave up we brought it up a couple weeks ago paul gets he gets stoned and some theologians believe he was stoned to death he got thrown out of a town and they stoned him he gets up after people pray for him and he walks right back into the town says jesus is lord and starts preaching again. Why? Because he was changed. When you get changed, you can't be stopped. When you get touched from heaven, you you just met, you won't stop. That's why people that get fizzed out, the people and and that's why we're getting there. I, let's just let's let's read this. Well, actually, I can write these scriptures down, and I'll read the ones that I want to close with. Write Acts eight one. Well, actually, we're right there. Might as well go back over. Thanks. Acts 1. Just go right there. Now, Saul was consenting to his death at that time. A great persecution arose. Everybody say great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the ones that really knew the cost, they did not budge. Do you see that? That the apostles did not back down because of great persecution, but the church scattered. That's, and we'll see this in, in American culture. We'll see that when something happens, I want everybody to know we need to be very prepared for what's, what's, what's to come. And what I mean by that is this COVID-19 is nothing. It is nothing. Like what, what is to come 
is very, we have to be very prepared for what is, what is coming and it's going to be persecution and it's going to, and it's going to be things that pretty soon that you have to understand the devil is relentless. Do you think the devil's taking a day off? So the church, the body of Christ needs to be very diligent in understanding we need to be grounded in the word. We need to be so grounded. Amen. So, and then if you write down Matthew 5, 44, that says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why would you pray for those who persecute you? Because you're actually thanking them for leading you to your destiny. You're not just praying for them because they bothered you. You're praying for them because Lord bless them because I wouldn't have seen the, 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 the line I needed to draw on the sand unless I was challenged. Because you don't even know what you believe until you're challenged. Is that true? That sometimes you need somebody to ask you a tough question in the Bible or a tough question about what you believe in. Like, don't, you know, don't just boo-hoo like, oh, they're persecuting me. No, be like, you know, and sometimes it's okay to say you don't know the answer, but I'm, thank you for challenging me and I'm going to ask the Lord and I'm going to get in the word and next time we talk, I'm going to make sure I have that answer. Like, don't just try to make something up. Like, we can be real. Say, I know him and I'm learning more every day. Amen? So, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, all those who live a godly life will be persecuted. Amen? Matthew 5.10-12, this is when Jesus is doing the sermon on the mount. This is how he finishes that. This is what he says in his his final statements of that, in particular part of the blessed. And he says in verse 10, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is why when the apostles in the book of Acts, when they got persecuted, they rejoiced. When they got, they would rejoice because they knew that there was treasure being added in heaven. They actually didn't even care about the treasure here. They knew that when they stood before Jesus, they would have more to lay at his feet because all that treasure gets put in your hand and then you get to go before the throne and you get to say, here it is, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, oh man, did you know one thing about Peter? And then this is it. Peter, when you, has anybody heard of the book called Tried by Fire? Has anybody heard of this book before? Check it out. It's only five bucks. It's called Tried by Fire. It's all about the church and like the apostles and things like that. It talks about some of the, the apostles and their accounts after the, the, the Bible. Like it, it's not in the Bible, but it talks about how they died, how like Peter died and how things like that. Did you know this is so powerful that Peter, you know, Peter even had some mishaps after, you know, even Paul confronted, confronted him in the book of Galatians, in the letter of Galatians, you know, when Peter was, uh, you know, getting religious again, and Paul put him in his place, said, you know, how dare you, Peter? He's like, you know, he's even correcting him. But the thing is, is that Peter, after Christ rose from the grave and all these things take place, Peter, years later, he is, he's preaching the gospel, but then things got really crazy in Rome, and Peter flees because of the persecution. He flees, and you can read it, and it's an, a, it's, a, it's an account. 
Peter flees. And that it says that when Peter was running away, he heard a voice saying, where are you going? And you know what Peter did? He had people running with him and he turned back around and let the other people go. And he goes back. He goes back to Rome. And they crucify him. And he says, I don't want to be crucified the same way he was. Put me upside down. I'm not worthy to die the same death. You want to talk about people that had a revelation. It's not about conveniency. It's not about these things. That this life is temporary. And does God want you blessed? Does God, is he a God of love? Yes, he is. He is. But the thing is, is that there's just, we have to understand the price that was paid so that way we walk with a greater conviction, a greater confidence in knowing who he is. So this is, this is the, if you guys also write down 2 Corinthians 12, 10, that's when Paul says, I actually delight in, in persecutions. He says, I delight him. He talks about being delighting in weakness, delight in these things, because then I find his strength that literally the persecutions remind him, hallelujah. I, I think everybody here can, I know I said it, but when you've been challenged on what you believe in, don't you believe that made you a greater follower? Let's just be real. Has this, has even this pandemic that's gone on make, made you a greater follower? Why? Because it's, Whatever the enemy uses for evil, God will turn for good, but it's up to you if you want to be a part of the process. And the thing is, is every day is an opportunity. I actually believe that, and I know this is going to be a strong statement, but I believe that if I don't know, this is for me personally, so I don't want to speak this over. I want to share my conviction with you. Is that okay? I've decided in my heart that if I don't know him more today than I did yesterday, I'm living in sin. That's a standard I've placed in my life. If I don't know him more today than I did yesterday, I'm in sin. Why? Why would that be something that would be in my heart? It's because I, I just know. The Bible, the, well, the Bible says in James, whatever you know to do and you don't do it, it's sin. So if I know to abide, if I know to go deeper and I don't, so actually it's not my own conviction. <laughs> so finally, Mark, this is where we're ending. Mark 4, 17. Mark 4, 17. This is when Jesus is teaching about the parable of the sower. I just really want to hit this one verse. He said that, well, actually, we, we can start from 13 real quick. He said, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? And he's talking about the parable of this, the sower. He says, how then will you understand all the parables? So this is the, the main parable that's like a, a blueprint for all the other ones. We're not teaching on the parable tonight. I just want to highlight one thing he said. The sower sows the word. So the word gets sown by God or by a minister of the word. Amen. Are you thankful for ministers of the word? You know, and I'm not saying this for my, I've been reading first, I've been reading a lot of the epistles and you know how much it talks about to give thanks to ministers of the word. Do you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm saying I do this on a regular, I text people that have ministered in my life in any regards when it comes to the things of God, because you want to pay. Do you could, it's just one of those things like, I, I'm realizing more and more the price it takes. And, you know, I've, I've only been going after it for, you know, a, a little over a decade, but I know the price it takes to hear from heaven for people. And sometimes, sometimes it comes easy because 
of where I'm at, but then sometimes I have to really labor to find out, Lord, what are you saying because of all these things? And then there's a way to that. So I just want to encourage you to, to, to always, you know, love on people that sow into your life, ministering the word. It's very important. The sower sows the word and the rest are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear it, the word is immediately rece- they immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves. And so they only endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or what? persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. So what causes the word to come out of you if you are not in relationship? Persecution. So here's the thing that I want to really leave you with is that persecution is literally, it is the tester of your heart. It proves if the word is truly in you or not. And I want I want everybody in here to know that I believe it's this is the job of ministry right now is to prepare people for what is to come and that the word is full of promises. It's full of so many things, but it's also full of a lot of warnings. And sometimes we don't want to talk about the warnings because we just think if we talk about all the good stuff enough, it'll just kind of balance out. But that's actually not being a good steward of the word and that and that we don't want to be unprepared, but the way we become prepared is by being in the word, but ultimately this relationship that's just constant. You got to talk to him in the car. Can everybody start doing that? Like if you don't already do that, talk with him when you are in the car, talk with him when you are just a home alone. When you get up in the morning, let the, before your feet hit the bed, say, hi, God, love on God. I do this sometimes in my life to just kind of super circuit myself, but I actually refuse to eat in the morning until I've read a little bit of the word of God. That's just something I've done in the past. Like I'll, I just want to teach my my flesh that my spirit is more important. So there's there's things that I personally do and you can ask the Lord how how to do those things, but it, don't ever allow it to become a, a, a religious tradition type thing. Just do things that the Lord teaches you to do to put your flesh under so he can be seated on the throne of your heart where he needs to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you right now for boldness, Lord. Father, we thank you that your boldness, that the fire of God, the boldness to stand for truth would fall in this place, Lord. Father, we thank you that just in the book of Acts, that the apostles, that they, when they were persecuted, they went back into the upper room and they asked for more boldness. Lord, I thank you that you would give us the bold direction that we need to stand. Lord, I thank you that in this room that you are giving people confidence confidence in who they are. They are a son and daughter of the Most High King. Lord, I thank you that there is no restriction that the world can put on them that would ever prevent them from being loved by you, being known by you, having access to you, that the world, they could try to take everything from the body, but they could never take intimacy away. That Lord, that even Paul in a jail cell had intimacy with you. And Lord, I thank you that tonight, if the thing that is embedded in our hearts more than anything else, Lord, let us be reminded that the greatest gift is access to be able to talk with you. We thank you, Lord. 
right now, I just sense this so much. I really sense that people's smiles are about to get bigger. And what I mean by that, hear what I'm saying is I really believe that there is going to be a supernatural confidence that is falling on this body. I really believe that when you go out, that there is going to be such an ease that even when the world seems to be saying everything's going to hell in a hand bucket, that there is going to be this remnant of people that actually are joyful and people are going to want to know why there's joyful and you are going to be able to tell them it's not because of the things you remember what did peter and john say gold and silver i have not but what i do have i give you in the name of jesus in the name of yeshua amen father i thank you for your people lord this week use them mightily in their families and their workplaces to be an example and a representative of you lord i thank you that that the presence of god would be so tangible everywhere they go i thank you that when we go out on the streets this thursday lord i thank you for divine appointments lord i thank you that we would meet people that are on the verge of suicide and that people would hear the gospel lord i thank you that people that are believing for their children that there's parents that are crying out for their children that when we're out there that we would be the answer to people's prayer lord father we thank you for our own facility in the name of jesus we thank you for the air conditioning to be working in this building lord yes we speak it but lord we thank you for what we do have and we are thankful for everything that you're providing in our lives lord we worship you we worship you.